grind, grind, that's all I know. Find the time to quit, oh no. No matter good or bad, still I go. I never crack under pressure, I can't be broke. Sun up to the sun down. Map it out, not running down. Mayweather, I never lose. I be making these money moves. Sun up to the sun down. Map it out, not running down. Mayweather, I never lose. I be making these money moves. Bulletproof Mafia. God, that's awesome. I just love that shit so much better than money moves because like it genuinely resonates with what I want to share with you today, which is something. So I was challenged by, uh, Russell Brunson. And if you don't know who Russell Brunson is, right, he is the owner, one of the, the primary shareholders inside of a company called ClickFunnels. and click funnels. You've all, if you've never heard of click funnels or if you have, it doesn't really matter. But ultimately what click funnels does is it is, um, it's a website building platform. Now they don't like inside of the community of ClickFunnels. I would right now have picketing standing outside of my studio and people would come in here probably throwing stuff at me because I called ClickFunnels a website building platform. And inside of their community, their whole vibe is websites are dead. But ultimately, what they're actually selling is a culture to marketers. Like, look, recognize that the way that you used to think about building websites is dead and the new website the new format is a website that that educates your customer it gives them value on the front side without them paying for anything and it takes them down a very specific buying journey from hey hello nice we just met all the way down to like you want to buy you've been sold without selling yourself without having to bounce to a bunch of different websites and doing a bunch of different research you are driven through the sales process no different than if i as a salesperson shook your hand in the very beginning and said hey follow me so as i've been studying russell and some of the different concepts and things and and just thinking about my own personal journey um one of the concepts that russell talks about is called the epiphany bridge and what the Epiphany Bridge is, it's basically, here's the story, here's what I've experienced that brought me to the realization that there was a gap from where I am today to where I want to be. And what process you went through to bridge that gap and what secrets you've developed or what content you've developed or what product you've developed or what product you found or what combination of, of items that you've secured helped you get across the bridge. But not only that, hey, I made it across the bridge and I found out it wasn't as scary as I thought. And so I, I, like I'm coming back and I want to help you do the same thing. So hypothetically, you're an insurance agent, right? Something happened to you that made you think, I'm going to get an insurance. And more than likely, if you really think about it, it wasn't the money. Maybe you wanted a career, maybe you wanted a job, but more than likely, there's an experience in the history of you. Like, like hey, look, I was a little kid. Um, I live with my parents and, and I was, I remember I was 14 years old and this, and it was a Thursday and it was a beautiful day because I'd been playing up at the park. The park's about a half mile from my home. And I was at the park playing with my friends and, and, and I, I saw the fire truck drive by. Well, we lived in a small town back then and I could jump on my bike and I could pedal as fast as I want anywhere I want in town. My parents knew everybody and we trusted everybody. And that was before you had to lock your door and you could go from neighbor to neighbor and they wouldn't kick you out of their yard for tearing stuff up. And, and I was a good kid. So anyway, my parents let me like ride up to the park on my bicycle. Well, that particular day, I watched 
a fire truck go by and then an ambulance and then another fire truck and then a, and then a police car and they flew down the street and I'm like oh we live in such a small town I bet I can go find out what's going on and so I started pedaling down the road I thought oh they're, they're over by my house somewhere and I pedal and I pedal and I pedal and before long I realized they're at my house and 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 as I got closer and closer I realized my house was was like in engulfed in flames and smoke was pouring out of the window and all of this other stuff and 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 over the next few months I found out that my parents didn't have insurance and we lost everything and I remember the destruction and heartache that, that caused my family and it gave me a, an opportunity to to like to help others help others prevent prevent others from being in the situation that I was in now is anything I just said true no anything that I just said remotely close to truth for me absolutely not but there is a story that's inside of your background that fits your current situation. There are drivers that cause you to get good at things, and there are drivers that cause you to become passionate about things. And so for me, I want to share with you the story that was the igniter for what, what is now the Bulletproof Mafia, but what started out as money moves, what started out as a product that we were going to call the M4 Nation, M4N, M4 Vault, and then what happened to migrate it all into something entirely different. But before I tell you that story, I just want you to think right now, like inside of what Michael just shared with me, did I picture it in my mind? Now, I want you to think about that. I want you to think about, did you just picture that story of the little kid in the park and, and getting on the bike and riding? And could you, and did you envision the smoke pouring out of the windows? And like, look, this is a little tactic. This is a little sales technique that's super easy to learn. And basically it's just the art of storytelling. Now, a really good salesperson will lie his ass off, but a great salesperson will unapologetically be vulnerable and tell the truth. And what's so powerful about that is you can't fake the truth. And so for all of you salespeople who listen to this and you think, oh, so I should just make up a story about this fire truck. No, horseshit, don't do that. That's not what I'm saying. Like think about anywhere you've been, where you've been sold or where you've been taught, like the best pastors in all of the world are great because they tell you actual true life stories and they don't feel like they're fishing for something. They feel like they're sharing something with you and you've heard the stories before, but they have this weird way of taking this message and, and, and like transforming it to fit the, the message and the situation that they want. And that's what great salespeople do. Well, I'm not in sales. My list doesn't pertain to me. If you have any relationship where you communicate with anybody at all, this absolutely pertains to you. Excuse me. Okay. So here we go. You guys have all heard the story from me where I say, oh, hey, yeah, I built this great big business and um, we did $250 million in sales. Well, I'm going to tell you another side of the story that I, that I rarely tell. And I'm going to give you a super fast abridged version of the entire story so I can get you to one point. The point that made me think, okay, I'm ready to help others. And so the story starts uh, roughly 2007, 2008, and I was selling these little heaters for a company. We were going from hotel to hotel selling these heaters, and then, and then they had one chain of really terrible stores that we were setting up and selling these heaters inside of. A, f a friend of mine had had turned me on to this product and, and whatever, and I was selling heaters. And, and then before long, uh, I went back to my job as a conductor on the railroad. So the, now I'm a conductor on the railroad and I hated it. I hated working for somebody else, but this is an important part of this story. So I want you to know how much I despised 
being under the control of other people, being forced to be in an environment with people that I didn't enjoy being around, being forced to serve and do something I didn't want to do, work hours I didn't want to work, be away from my family for times that I couldn't control. And the struggle sucked. And so my like uh, th this is what this burning love for entrepreneurs because and burning love for people who are stuck and burning love for people who have this thing inside of them. It's like, fuck, I'm meant to be more. And there, and, and you just feel like there's this big weight over top of you. But if I, if I'm not careful, I'm going to rabbit hole down that. So I'm going to stop that. And so anyway, I was on the railroad and the same friend who I worked for selling heaters called me and he said, Hey, I want to show you how I, how you can make two to $4,000 a day. Will you meet me for breakfast? And I said, yes. And so I met him for breakfast and he said, um, Balai, show me, scratch out on a napkin. I still have that napkin. And, and, and I really admired this guy. And, and as he was getting into his car, he said, I don't know why I wasted my time telling you this. You're not going to do anything with it anyway. And so short version, I borrowed $60,000 from my father-in-law. I started buying heaters from this guy of what I didn't put together at the time because I was just young and naive was that he was a sales rep for the company. And so it benefited him to light that fire under my ass, but Hey, good. I'm glad that he did because he changed my world that day. And and so we started this company in my living room. We grew it and we hustled and we grew it. And I, I eventually, I bought my father-in-law out and I replaced him with this other guy who became my business partner. Him and I, like um, the more money he made, the less I liked him as an individual. Like what I found about money is that the more you have, the more it spotlights who you are at your core. And so those little things that you dislike about a partner, the more money that you you make, and the bigger your company grows, the, the louder those things get. And so um, partnerships, another day, we're not gonna stop there on this ride. And, and so I bought my partner out. There were some cardinal sins that happened between the two of us. Neither one of us could ever go back to where we were. I pissed him off. He pissed me off. One of us had to go and I had the balls to step up and buy him out. That's what I did. Now I have this company and I'm left because like he intentionally spent the next 30 days, the last 30 days, like destroying my company, taking as many people out the door with him as he could, causing as much strife as he possibly could, creating as much doubt in the people who were too scared to leave that he possibly could like on his way out, he threw grenades. And so it was left for me to pick up. And I started picking it up and I started picking it up and I got things going again and we built additional products and I went back and forth to China and, and we were building the company. It was growing and growing and growing and growing and growing. And I was at a trade show. Some folks approached me and they said, hey, we would like to buy part of your company, but we have some contingencies and here's what they are. And so we, we, we worked with them a little bit and we did some stuff and, and all along, right? Like I had been rat holing money, but we sold a portion of the company. We brought it all together. I cleared enough chips off the table in that transaction that I was good enough. Like I had enough money in the bank that I wasn't going to have to worry about it. We had, I had been building passive income. So I've been buying property. We had been investing in smaller companies, ancillary companies that were supplying cash flow, And, and so even if I didn't have my great big income, right, I had enough income that we could live in the house and the lifestyle that we had for as far as I could see. And so that contingency was that we had to license our product with the NFL, with NASCAR, and with um, the uh, NHL in Canada. And so we built a, a puck heater, we built a helmet heater, and you can find remnants of that online. Check it out just to validate my story and make sure I'm not full of shit. Go out, it's, it, it's type in helmet heater, type in um, uh, Kansas City Chiefs, uh, football helmet heater, Green Bay Packers football helmet heater. Pick your team because we had them. And so we got the licensing deals. Everything was cool. We loaded up on products. We bought a bunch of product for our, for our test. Everybody we talked to loved it. I made a critical, critical business error, something that I'll never do again because it was the most expensive mistake I ever made. And that was this. Um, 
I swung too hard at one item and it sunk me. As a, as, an admit, as a team, we made the decision to go hardcore after this licensing business because every single person that saw it loved it, except for the end consumers. I didn't start with them. And so anyway, long story to get you where I need you to be, right? Remember, love, love, love people who are stuck. And I have so much empathy for you and compassion for you. And I want to help you get out of that. So that's this, this anchor in who I am. And now like I've written a business that like at this point, the part of the story that we're in right now, where we're like, we're swinging hard at this and the end consumer didn't love our product. At that point, I had done over $200 million in sales, over 500 employees, three distribution centers, one, one in, in Missouri, one in Ohio, one in Virginia Beach. We, we had partners in Canada. We had partners in Taiwan. We had partners in Vietnam. We had partners in mainland China. We, we had grown an, an international company that was responsible for over $200 million in sales. And I say we, but I was the only common denominator from the very first day to the very last day. And, and in one day, it's another story that I'm not going to wrap run down right now in one day we lost it all one day three phone calls everything was gone and I was left and I went home and I sat across from my wife and I said my heart's broken I don't want to do this anymore we helped so many people and we let so many people down we we touched people's lives. We had people who, like, literally, if you've never been in a company where you receive hundreds and hundreds of Christmas cards from your customers, we had people who sent us tear-stained letters where they said we wouldn't have been able to pay our electric bill if it wasn't for your heater. We wouldn't have been able to heat our home. We wouldn't have been able to put food on the table if your product wasn't saving us from having to pay for our expensive heaters. And, 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 and that was so gratifying. And I wasn't going to be around to service those customers anymore. I wasn't going to be able to help them. I wasn't going to be able to help the investors who had believed in us. I was letting everyone down. And I looked at her and I said, I want to sell it all. I want to be done. I'm tired. And so we did. We had two other companies um, that were product-based companies. We sold both of those companies. Then uh, we had a restaurant um, I took a massive loss selling the restaurant because I wanted to be done. I wanted to be out. The only thing we held was, was some of the smaller passive income companies and the real estate. And so again, I'm sitting now in, in, in my, in, in it's not, it wasn't a mansion, right? It, but it was a big home. It was eight, eight, 8,000 square feet. We built every fucking inch of it. The backyard was exactly everything I had ever wanted in-ground pool that overlooked a, an acre lake that overlooked a hill I could see for two miles off my back deck. Every single night, the sunset looked like God had painted it for me, myself, personally. I could walk off my front porch and see over 12 miles from my front porch like we had the house on the hill. I had built a 900-square-foot crossfit, CrossFit box for myself. Rogue everything. Like I outfitted my entire gym like a box, but I didn't pay CrossFit because it was just me. Tractors and four-wheelers and, 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 and fancy cars. Like literally I had like the truck of my dreams. It was every, everything that I wanted. I had done it. 
enough money in the bank and enough passive income opportunity that I would have continued to been able to grow that and, and hustle and drive and, and build and scale. And so here I was living the dream. I was working out twice a day. I was sitting at the edge of the pool. I had no worries about where money was going to come from. I knew my bills would forever be paid. And I was like slowly dying inside. I like my heart was so sad, but who could I bitch to and who would listen and who would give a shit? Why would anybody care about the poor rich guy on the edge of his pool? Who's miserable. One person, my wife, one person would listen. One person would care. One person noticed. With everybody else, I built these great big thick-ass walls and I kept them on the other side of it because it wasn't any of their fucking business. I didn't need them to feel sorry for me. I didn't need to explain to them what I was going through. They couldn't fathom it. Like, my cocaine, my drug of choice is, is growth and scale. My drug of choice is helping people, lifting people up, elevating people to a level that they've never been, that they can barely see in themselves because it's the thing that I see when I talk to anyone. I speak with people and the first thing that I recognize is the best qualities that they have. And I was starving myself of this drug. I would get up in the morning. 7.30, 8.30, It didn't matter. I didn't have anything to do. If a renter needed something or if a tenant needed something or if one of my properties needed some maintenance, I might go dick around with that for a little while. And then I would go home. I'd jump in the gym and I'd do a wad. After that, I'd go jump in the pool and swim a few laps and, and hang out by the edge of the pool. And then in the afternoons, I'd go run a couple miles. And, and what's wrong with this, Michael? This, is, this sounds freaking amazing. Yeah, except I was dying inside. And so one morning I woke up and I got this, this message in, in Facebook Messenger from my wife and she had sent me a video from a guy named Garrett White to an organization called Wake Up Warrior. And, and he's like on this bridge screaming, you're a fucking pussy and you need your dick kicked in. And if you don't go, if you don't come out here, if you're a married businessman and, and you're sad or you're not performing in all four areas of your life and in, in the area of your body, in the area of your business, in the area of your being, in the area, what, what, body being balance and business, all four areas, like, like faith, family, fitness, finance, you call it whatever you want, but he's saying you can have it all. And I'm thinking, well, I've got like physically, physically, I'm, I'm, I'm happier with myself than I've ever been. My family's on point. I've got plenty of money. Um, I believe in God, but, but why, why am I still so drawn to this? And these guys are like kicking the shit out of each other in this video. They're punching each other in the face or guys with bloody noses and black eyes. And I'm like, I don't know why, but I want that. Maybe if I go out there, I can figure out what it is I want to do, like what I'm missing. And so I went out to this week-long event, and very military style, and we went through this, this ordeal, this, 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 this thing called Wake Up Warrior. Now it's evolved and it's different now, but, but then it was this like, it took 28 men and it put them in an inferno together. And at the end of it, we came out brothers. But, but walking into that space, walking into that place, I was on the hunt for something. I was looking for an answer. What do I want to do next? And why am I so fucking sad? 
And, and, and what's cool about this event was they would task, tax you physically. So like, for example, one night um, we did an open water ocean swim out to a buoy that we could barely see fully clothed with, with like combat boots on. They did give us a life jacket, but the water was colder than shit. Like I was freezing my ass off. I swim out to the buoy with a bunch of guys I've never heard of. We get all the way back and like, who said you could make noise? Go back. And so we swam all the way back out with the same guys and all the way back. And then at the end of it, they say, okay, now you're going to grab somebody and you're going to walk with them and you're going to talk to them about what you're getting from this. And that was the thing, right? Task, like, like tax us physically and then walk and talk, tax, walk and talk, tax, walk and talk. And that was the week. And in those conversations, I would be talking to guys and they would be talking about their business and then we'd be talking about what's broken. And to me, there was just like these lights that are coming on and I'm like, no, I would do this. And, and what about that? And have you thought about this? And here's my experience says this and that. And what if you did this? And these are high level guys. These are guys that are like $10 million plus companies. There were a few guys that were smaller than that, but most of them were big fucking producers. And so I'm following these guys and I'm like, look, I want to be plugged into this. And I want to help you. Like, tell me what you got. Like, I want to know more. And I'm, and I'm jonesing on their stories. And they're like, what about you? And I'm, and, and I would say, well, look, here's what I done. And, I, and, and like, I just want to build companies and I love business. I'm trying to figure out what I want to do next. And so their advice to me is, well, you should you, like, you're a builder. You should be building companies. You should be like, go, 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 go. And, and so I'm like, yeah, you know what? I think you're right. I, th I think I'm supposed to go back into business for myself. And, and so, and, and these guys are calling me later and they're like, Hey man, you really touched me. You really helped me. Like I'm still implementing some of the stuff that you said, but you really changed my life. And, and it, those short conversations, like I had guys tell me that I was changing their life and I was such a powerful feeling because to me, I just felt like I would, th this was common sense stuff that we were talking about. And so I, I had these great conversations with these guys and and, and I came back and I told my wife, okay, like, I don't want to scare you. And, and so I, I, I trickled on her at first, but I framed the conversation bigger than shit. Like there was a big lead up. I knew this was going to be the biggest sale of my life to my wife because we had built our dream home and we had bought our dream piece of land. We'd built our dream backyard. Like the pool area was $215,000. Like, so when I'm talking about, we had our dream home, we had our dream home. Every single room in the house had individual sound systems so that you could listen to different music in different rooms, even if the rooms were side by freaking side. A theater room that would like 7.1 Dolby Digital surround sound, the best of the best of the best in every corner of the house. Every single stitch of wood that you could lay eyes on was custom made for our home. Doors, trim, windows. If you could see it with your eyes, we had them custom built. Like a $150,000 kitchen. I'm not like, look, I like, tons of proof out there, but I don't give a shit if you believe me, but that's what we had. And so I'm getting ready to try who my wife, like a lot of women are tied to their home. Their identities are found inside of the walls of this place that they call theirs. And I was asking her to, to shed her identity so I could go build shit. And I justified it in my mind. She sent me the video. And so I approached her and I said, hey, I think that we're supposed to sell everything and move. And I watched fear like splat in, in that woman's eyes. And she was scared because she knew I was serious. She had watched the buildup happen. She knew something was coming. But I didn't let on at all what something was. And I said, here's what I think I'm going to do. I'm going to go to Kansas City, two hours from our home. I'm going to move there now. 
I want you to stay back and start packing. The house will sell. It took six months and it sold. I'm going to start a car dealership because I'm ready to scale another company. I want to build something big. And so I got an apartment. I, my, my, my oldest daughter had a degree in accounting. She came with me. She ran the finance. I did the sales. We did everything together. Step by step, we built, we built a car dealership from the ground up. We started with like 15 cars. Today we have a hundred. We went from selling like our first month, we sold one. Our second month, we sold 15. Now we're doing about 50 a month. Right now it's the 20th and I think we're at 40. So we'll probably hit 60 this month. We've got, you know, we've got a full service center. We built out like we built a company. We've done over $12 million in sales in the last uh, two and a half years. Now, that's not that impressive, except for we only sell cars that range from $1,500 to $15,000. Like, we don't sell expensive cars. Doing a few hundred thousand dollars a month in sales. So after my wife had moved, after everything, everything was done, we had sold everything, we had moved up here. Um, we sold all of our commercial real estate. We sold everything and we moved. We sold our interest in a trucking company that we had an interest in. Like we liquidated it all to get into the trucking business or into the, pardon me, into the automotive industry. And we kept a couple pieces of commercial real estate that were close enough that I could get to. And I traded for a couple to get out of some stuff. And so I found myself in Kansas City, enough passive income again to live if I wanted to, but I wanted to build a company. And so that's what I started to do. And I was doing it and it was successful. We were profitable in the first 65 days. How's that, Mr. Startup Genius, who thinks that it, you should be in debt for two years? Fuck that. I believe you should make money. Another rabbit hole that I'm not going to go down right now. So I'm there. Everything's good. And I start to feel the feeling again. That feeling in my heart that was, it was so much like what I had whenever everything was good. Like everything was great. And that feeling, that, that, that soul-eating, gnawing, biting feeling started to sink in and, and, and chip away at me again. And this time I thought, well, maybe I'm just like bothered because I want to take my company to the next level. I felt super fulfilled at, at Warrior Week. I, I felt like I had figured it out. Like I knew that something was right with that. And the message was build a company. And so I built a company. I made it profitable. It pro like, I don't want to get into it, but like it's, it's, it's a really profitable business. And from there, like, I, I'm just like, I, I see, like, I can look at the projections that we have. I can see where this company is going to go. I can see how much bigger and greater it's going to get. Why is this feeling coming back? And so I think, well, maybe I just need to figure out how to take it to the next level. And so I start to get online. I'm looking for answers and I'm hunting. And one of my buddies is like, hey, I just went out and did this thing with Gary Vaynerchuk and it's good. And and so I'm like, yeah, four Ds. It was 15 Gs. Uh, I flew out to, to New York city. I hung out with Gary and his team for a day. It was, I, there were, there were eight or 10 other really powerful, badass entrepreneurs that had done the same thing. And they were in the room with me and we all got to talk to Gary, ask some questions, work around the table. Um, but, but the message of the day was this, it was, you guys are business badasses, right? And you have an obligation to take all this information that you know and share it. You have this obligation to leverage what you've been through, your experiences, your wins, your losses, and share them with the marketplace. You have this obligation with today's technology to leave a legacy, not a person, 
ever in the future of your entire family should wonder what the fuck you're about. Because the technology is there that they shouldn't have to. And he's like looking at me. And I'm like, nah. I don't know if he was speaking just directly to me in that moment or if he, or if he wasn't. He said some other stuff in my conversation with him and I was just like, shit. He's talking to me. Like, this is to me specifically. And so I left and I thought, well, shit, I have this obligation. I'm, I'm supposed to share some stuff. Okay, well, how am I going to do that? Well, I'm going to start to network around. I'm going to start to visit with some entrepreneurs and coach them and just like sharpen their sword and make sure I'm comfortable. I want to, like, if I can help them with something that maybe I've experienced, I want to do that. I'm going to write a book. And so I started writing a book. I told my, so I, I, my wife, she flew out to New York City with me. And that day I said, hey, Joy, uh, here's what I'm going to do. I want you to book a vacation. I don't care where you go, but I want it to be oceanfront and I want it to be on the ground floor. And I want you to leave me alone. You and the girls go have a blast. I'll be there with you. I'm going to let the car dealership do what the car dealership does. We'll, we'll worry about that later. I don't give a shit if we close it. I don't care. I'm going to write a book. She's like, you're going to write a book? I'm like, I'm writing a book. And so I started writing the book and I did that thing. Like I started writing the book and, and it all started to come together and the thoughts started to formulate in my mind and I'm pouring into this book and I'm realizing how many life experiences I had and, and I didn't know where to start and I didn't know where to stop. So I just started with this story. And, and at first I was going to call this book savvy and I'm still going to call it savvy, but then the undertitle was, um, something about getting rich. The secrets to the, how, I, how I was able to become rich or some shit like that. And then the subtitle was the secrets that the wealthy don't want you to know, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and so anyway, that's the direction that I was going to go with the book. And I thought, well, I should have a podcast and it should be about money too because that's what we're doing, right? We're, like, we're teaching people to make money. Like that's what well, entrepreneurs are, entrepreneurs to make money. And I'm still kind of evolving and grabbing my voice and figuring out, okay, what it is. So I decided, well, let's call it Money Moves. And Brooke had a great idea. She's like, well, what if like M4 something like um, mastering or mapping the multimillionaire mindset? And I'm like, oh, I kind of like that. That's, that's cool. It's a cool ring. So I did the first thing that I always do when I'm thinking about doing something, and I checked for the URL. It was available. M4Nation.com. The M4, mapping the multimillionaire mindset. Nation, all the people, part of that tribe that I'm going to create someday. And... And I started working with entrepreneurs and I started hearing them and I'm talking to them and I'm realizing I'm seeing patterns and I'm thinking back to all the other conversations I'd ever had. And, 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 and there was a very similar thread in all of them. And the light started to come on, but I didn't want to admit it. So at the same time, I built out this like crazy, like I started to get frustrated because I would sit with an entrepreneur, someone that was becoming my friend and I wanted to invest in my friends, but it took so much time to talk about their businesses and, <clears throat> and I just love people so much that I didn't want to walk away from that. I wanted to hear what they had to say. I wanted to see how I could help them. And so I was just diving deeper and deeper and deeper. That was my focus. And, I, and this is way longer than I intended for this to be. So I'm just going to say, like, stick with me on this. This isn't going to be a podcast that I break up into a, a, a hundred different podcasts. So I feel like I'm delivering you more podcasts. This is one podcast. You're going to get it all in one shot. It's going to be longer than what you thought, but listen to this shit because it's important. And so as I'm talking with these people, I'm leaving these meetings and I'm, I'm, there's this combination of being super fired up on one hand that I'm helping them. And on the other hand, I'm super frustrated. And I'm frustrated because damn it, I want to help more people. And I'm being, and I just was feeling limited. And I thought, well, how can I put something together 
that does exactly, like fills the gap of the problem that I'm seeing unified in all the people that I've ever helped ever. And I think, well, what if all of these entrepreneurs could access videos? And you took like the number one key things that, that you felt like were holding most entrepreneurs under that glass ceiling. You don't know what the glass ceiling is. It's I've been hustling my ass off for year after year, month after month, week after week, day after day. I'm trying to get ahead and I can't. I just seem like I hit this invisible wall and I can't get past it. And so like normally this commonality, this thread that I'm going to share with you here in just a little bit, this, this thing that holds people back was, was an evolution that was happening inside of my podcast. Like inside of my podcast, I, w- I was trying more and more to speak to these people, but the more I talked to them, the less it was about money, the less it was about money moves. And I started to get convicted that, hey, I'm not being honest with the people who are listening to this thing that I'm building. And I owe it to everybody who takes the time to click this button and listen to this podcast and be a part of this or talk to me or touch my stuff to have a unified message that was real and meant something. And so I built this course of of almost 30 hours of content. Now imagine that. That's 30 hours of content, which means that it was about 60 hours of shooting. It was take after take. It was cut after cut. It was editing hours upon hundreds of hours of editing. Then we took everything from all the videos and we transcribed it and we had, um, joy go through and listen to them. And she, she extracted thoughts from each one. Like, okay, now turn this interpersonally into somebody and so that they can take the lesson that you're giving them, Michael, but, but they need to ask a question about themselves. And so we built out 180 pages worth of workbooks to accompany the videos. And, and we got all this shit ready and it's, it's information and it's money moves with Michael Munsterman. And, and I got it. I started to feel full again. I got that, yeah, I'm good at building companies. I'm good at recognizing scale. I'm good at building processes and and making them duplicatable and training people how to do those pieces inside of the machine so that that machine would move and drive and grind together to create profit. But more importantly, to deliver value to the market that that the constructor of the machine wants. And so I've let the car business for the last six months run itself with a really powerful, badass team. And then right before we decided to launch, I had my final epiphany. And it was this. I couldn't deliver this product to the market and be full of shit. Anybody who's close to me knows that I'm full of passion. And I don't use fuck as a word that I can smack people around with or to offend people. I use it as an exclamation mark. And in Money Moves, we would have just edited that little stutter, but we're not going to. You're getting this. You're going to hear me when I cough. You're going to hear me be me. Like, this is real. And that's what I had to do. Like I had to commit to be real. 
which means that I had to change the name because it's not about, it's not about, and this is this, like, this was the revelation, right? It's not about making money. It's about bulletproofing your mind, bulletproofing your emotional stability and getting really fucking clear on what it is you're doing, who you're trying to service, who you try, you're trying to help. And why do you give a shit about it to begin with? You're going to a job or you're starting a company or you're scaling a company and you're hitting a roadblock and the roadblock is simple. You forgot what the fuck you're doing and why. And so we changed it. The product's entrepreneur secrets. The podcast is a bulletproof mafia. And my mission is to teach entrepreneurs or futurepreneurs how to bulletproof their minds and their emotions so that they can handle this war that they're choosing to step into. And that's why we changed. And that's why we shifted. And that's why this is what it is. And if you don't like it, I'm going to say it again. You don't have to listen anymore. Because there's no way that I can impact the number of people that I was called to on the edge of my pool when I thought I was supposed to build a company I wasn't supposed to build a company. I was supposed to build a movement. I was supposed to build a group of people that impact change in the world through learning the number one lesson that I've had to execute in every business I've ever had. And that is by bulletproofing my mind. It's not profound. It's simple. That's the mission. That's the product. That's what it's designed around. And that's who it's designed for. And if it's for you, that's awesome. I want to help you. And if it's not for you, cool. Go grab some Tony Robbins. It's an easier cheese to digest. Like I'm pungent and you got to be able to take that. And if you can, I can help you. That's it. See you next time on Bulletproof Mafia. Savvy.